This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hello everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh! The Horror. It's a horror movie podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the newcomer Steve Allen. And I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And today, oh it's a great day Rob. It's a great day. We got it really is. Shining. It's The Shining. I love it man. I love this film. <laughs> it's, we... Like nothing but staggering silence, and then we find how much we love The Shining. Well, so, so uh, it's The Shining is a very fascinating film in its history, in its making, in, in its legacy. You know, the, like the like the movie The Shining. Almost everything around it is kind of Hollywood history in a weird right. way. Like a lot of the things that brought this movie together are just a weird amalgamation of amazing things. Like, as I just say this movie, I'm like, I don't know if anybody that would ever listen to a horror movie podcast hasn't at least heard of The Shining, let alone obviously seen it. But if you haven't, like, this is probably the... one of the most iconic horror films of all time, if not the... Yeah, and it's it's funny because when this movie came out, critics kind of tore it apart for the most part and audiences weren't really big on it you know well here's the thing like stanley kubrick for his day was a very uh he was a very heady director he was a very artsy very technical technically driven and and he wasn't too big on i i guess you could say plot but if if i can be as like I guess general as you can, because a lot of I've, I'm a big fan of Stanley Kubrick and his films. Um, I could say that a lot of things that happen plot wise in his film are almost a little circumstantial. The tone and mood and uh, like it, it just driving force that a lot of his movies have seem to just be like a, a, a force of nature or force of will that just kind of happen and the script just kind of follows it along like an automaton in a weird way it's a beautiful sort of balance that a movie has when uh when you when you look at it but um the shining is something very different where you very much have to kind of listen pay attention and then just kind of let yourself go for it in a weird way it's an experience i mean right from those opening aerial shots you know you're getting into something special the score going along with that uh right away it evokes a lot of isolation this is a this movie screams isolation you know and and the effects that that has on people uh along there's a marvel oh sorry i'm sorry oh oh no i was just saying along with the the ghost story that is, is very very well defined in this i i find i i think it's 
there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff people kind of argue over throughout the movie saying was it this or was it this especially when we talk about the photograph at the end which we'll get to but i think this is a fantastic film and what's amazing is that when this film came out it did take a while for it to start making money it did make its budget back and then some uh but it took a while and was nominated for two razzie awards worst director and worst actress it's crazy to think that they even had the Razzies back in this. This time. was the like, first year that the award was given. This was like, this this was when the Razzies had started, I think. Which is insane to think that not only were the Razzies that old, but The Shining got a Razzie. Like two nominations, and that blows my mind. It didn't get any nominations from the Oscars or Golden Globes, but now people look at it. And, it, you know, in the late 80s, people started looking at this film again. Because when it came out, it wasn't like the novel. The novel had come out. People were expecting it to follow that. It didn't. It was completely different. This happens even nowadays with films. A novelization is turned into a film. It's not what, you know, the fans wanted. It gets destroyed by critics. We'll see maybe some of those films as cult classics down the road. But this one in particular... It, it it's not even called classic it is straight up iconic classic and it was you know i think part of it was that uh stephen king didn't like the film when it came out he wasn't a fan of it and kubrick was notorious for uh, people just knew about how kubrick directed his films scene after or take after take after take after take driving shelly duvall insane um it's and then taking some of the earlier takes by the end of it after he's done dozens and dozens and dozens of takes with these people it's the more that you find out about the film it just adds to it you know what i mean so it's it's this is a film that movie by itself great but then it's it's all these other parts that go into it that just put it over the edge really Right, and it's, people have often talked about Kubrick as like a director of meticulous process and kind of doesn't really give a shit about anything else that's going on outside of what he thinks is the absolute best thing for a movie. He's probably one of the, like, beginning of that, like, uh, like nerdy auteur that kind of gets what he wants if his films just happen to be amazing. And... He was on this kind of track record, at least in his career leading up to this movie, as being that kind of director. And as much as, like, he might have been maligned for his time and his methods, like, because he would torture George C. Scott uh, on like, the set of Dr. Strangelove, and there were all of these, like, very interesting stories. Uh, the, the sort of thing that comes along with The Shining, you mention the Stephen King influence and how he doesn't really like this movie in regards to a sort of comparison of tone through his work. I think we could all agree. There is absolutely no Stephen King film adaptation that is remotely like the shining. No, not even way. close. They've, you know, people, and, they have tried and they have failed and absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know what they end up with most of the time, sometimes at best a Mick Garris film. Like, uh, right. like Sleepwalkers <laughs> or something. And, you know, a lot of people hate Sleepwalkers, but to me it's a good B popcorn feature. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Or maybe a Pet Cemetery or something right, like that. Right, right. Well, and, and I, I put Pet Cemetery definitely in a higher regard than Sleepwalkers. Uh, but but still, you know, this is, this is an artistic 
horror film. This is the most artsy horror film you're probably ever going to get. Um, I know Suspiria tried to, to outdo it on the artsy side. And for some people, they'll say, yeah, it, it succeeded. And you know how we felt about Suspiria, how I felt specifically yeah. about it. I, I mean, listen, I, we don't we don't need to dig up that dead horse. We and can, we're uh, talking we, about we the new Suspiria. Lie. We're not talking about the uh, Argentos. But, you know, actually speaking of Argento, uh, when you were talking, saying that Kubrick cared more about the visual elements, really, and what's going on than plot, actually, you know, than the actual plot of what's going Does the plot make sense or is what he is, his vision he wants his vision to be put out there. And I feel like that is very similar to Argento in, in that regard where to him plot just got in the way sometimes of what he was trying to put out there. But I would say the difference between Argento and Kubrick is that Kubrick was meticulous, almost meticulous to his detriment, you know, because it, it I mean, not to, almost not to the detriment of his films, that's for sure. Maybe to the detriment no, of his character, but no, to, no, not to the detriment of his films at all. No, to the detriment of himself and his reputation. He is he is definitely considered a master, but there were a lot of people who didn't want to work with him. He drove people crazy. He drove I mean, he probably drove people away from the business in general. Is some of that, you know, with how long it took him to get some of his films done, we could have seen a lot more of what Kubrick had, you know, in the pipeline, had he been able to get through some of these films at a faster pace. I mean, sure. But, I mean, again, I think it's it's a hallmark of a yeah. different... Oh, I yeah. won't even say a good. I will say a different director when they take that mm -hmm. kind of meticulous time and effort into a film or a project. It, it will eventually show the amount yeah. of passion that you actually have for it. And... uh I think, you know, like, let's just go down the list of things, like, that we've got going for this. Like, Jack Nicholson. Like, what what's what more is there to be said? Oh, like, my this gosh. Is, this... this is one for the ages. This Man. is the, like, this is probably one of the ultimate Jack Nicholson performances in, in all of history, in all of his career. Like, you know this what I, is probably I, the one he's remembered for. I realized this time just watching it again, and I guess it's hit me before, but it really hit me this time. Jack Torrance is an awful human being right from the start. There's, he's he's kind of an irredeemable human from the start because you realize, and you know, it had been a long time since I'd seen The Shining. It had been years. Um, and, and watching it, uh, it, man, it's just so disturbing to see because people always talk about how Shelley Duvall looks so strange in this film. And it's kind of, she looks kind of helpless and why does she look like this and it's because she's an abused wife who's defending her drunk abusive husband and you know he's he's hurt Danny on more than one occasion he's definitely been very abusive to her and I guess has made promises before not kept them and this time it's going to be what moves him forward his anger issues are insane and part of the a lot of people think oh it's the hotel driving him crazy no, I don't even think that happens till later on. I think he's just a dick, and it's just feeding off of that and and making letting him release that without as much of a filter as he was trying to put on. And it's but again, it's the brilliant balance that this movie takes, where the slow unwinding of his psyche 
you could you could take it either way like is he going crazy has he always been like this or is it the hotel or the spirit of this whole thing t- pulling its strings well it's From a combination man they... it's and that's what makes it amazing yeah the the nuance and the like spools of things that happen like it's the like even when he's first writing in like the first like 40 minutes of the movie when he kind of just like snaps at her when he's starting to write and she's just like kind of like asking him questions and being very nice about it and he's just he's slowly and impatiently like losing it in front of her where he could have just been like this could have been any argument uh, for any sort of scene but like the haunting shots that come of like Shelley Duvall like is in the exact center frame looking down and he's just to the side looking up and just scowling at her like she seems so innocent and like wounded when he's when she's just standing there doing nothing but that seems to me but that makes it seem and and i think it's amazing but it makes it seem that what he has done is commonplace she doesn't run she doesn't run out of there she doesn't say how dare you she takes it and she walks away and it shows that anytime he is frustrated and can't figure something out and finds that he has a fault in himself he doesn't think it's him. He takes it out on her because he can't realize it's it's oh man, there's so many it's a very layered character. It is extremely layered and granted there there's there's definitely those ghosts in there. The the ghosts and the spirits exist in this film. A lot of the times there's that are they real? Are they not real? No, by the end of the they are very real. The, all of this stuff exists in this world. It did not take much to tip him over the edge. It seems like there, especially when we get to the ending of the film, there are a couple of different theories that go into it. um, Of, you know, the whole you've always been here type thing. Uh, and I guess you know I could can we dive into that for a second? Do you? Do you sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, so like the the paranoia or like ghostly elements of this thing. Yeah, well, it, it's so at the end, you, you see the photograph that took place in the hotel in 1921, and you see Jack in the center. And, you know, they also talk about the guy who had been there beforehand, Grady, who had uh, run as the caretaker, and then he had gone crazy and killed his uh, daughters and his wife, and those are the twins that Danny sees throughout the film. You know, he sees him when he gets transported back to this basically to 1921 now there's two theories in it one of the theories is that both he and grady are reincarnated versions of who they were back in the 20s and when they died they came back and that's why they were drawn to the hotel the other theory it's a bit of an extrapolation but like right and the other theory is that if you once you die in the hotel you become part of the hotel you become one right, of those ghosts. Your spirit ghosts. is taken to the hotel. Yes. Right, so that Grady became the ghost of this guy back in the 1920s. He has a different name now, but he is this character now. And that's why he is in the photo. And that's why you see Jack in the photo at the end, because he has now become one with the hotel. And he is now a ghost of the hotel, having died on the grounds. That's the way I see it. Um but it's fascinating and it's caused a lot of you know when you when you look at it in different ways it starts there's that question of motivation of of jack if he was a reincarnation of it 
he would be drawn to that hotel and he wouldn't let anything get in his way of being there. Hence, Wendy and Danny being things that are in his way, um, things that have caused him to because he's been trying to find himself find what is going to make him happy and he's been an alcoholic and abusive and everything like that maybe there's that in it but also maybe it is the hotel pulling him there because of how he is as a human being because it wants a person like him there this evil is taking him in or it is like sort of coaxing right this devilish sort of like uh, co- again, coaxing like he is easily corruptible. Uh, yeah, his soul. Yes, exactly. And, and and you know this is where it deviates so much from the novel. I've I've never read the novel, and I, I really should. Um, but I know it deviates significantly from the novel, which is why, if people have real reasons for it in the novel, this this isn't the novel. That's why we're going no, off on these and, these and theories, the which could go anywhere. You know. And, and a lot of this is uh, a lot of this is like kind of the like, you know, oh, book versus movie argument. Honestly, I'm of the camp where I'm like, if you make a good movie, I don't give a shit. If you if you make a movie that's like that, that I can understand and like I like you could chalk it up to me not maybe being that much of a reader <laughs> in some regards. But like a lot of books, book adaptations that I've uh, that I've seen that I've actually read the books to that are regarded as good. I've found good as well because you still got to make a two-hour movie tops out of this thing, and you got to cut something out. And there's certainly going to be some things that you miss, and there's certainly going to be some things that you wish you didn't see. And by God, if The Shining isn't a movie about nuance on a book level, (laughs) at the very least, uh, I don't know what is because there's so much you can interpret and see in the caliber of filmmaking and acting coming out of everyone in this movie oh yeah uh, it, it absolutely. may as well be a book of you may as well have written a book off of this movie i mean basically this this film has had documentaries room 237 you know has come out of that um a fantastic documentary actually yeah, like and, it's and, fascinating and, to see. and there's a lot of documentaries a lot of books actually that have been written about all of this and, and everything that went into it so a lot of people the subject is there's a lot about the subject matter that people can go into. I mean, I, The Shining's taught in, in tons of film schools. Uh, it is it is an absolute classic. It is fantastic. There, you know, there's moments with the people you see in the film where you're like, who the hell are they? Such as the old woman um, from the bathtub, who you see as the young woman in the beginning. The guy dressed up in the weird, what was it, like a bear suit, and he's going down on uh, some old guy oh, yeah, the, or one whatever. Of, yeah, one of the old guys, and he's like, great party. Right. And apparently all of this is, are, are subplots of characters that are in the book that kind of, you know, are a little bit different here and there, and they kind of go into that. So there are, there's definitely, it's, it's similar in that regard, um, but then at the same time, it's just got this stanley kubrick touch that is absolutely amazing like danny lloyd he kills it in this is danny oh my god and i know that they had it where he thought he was making a drama and they they kept this film from him until he was like 17 or something he never even saw the full version of it um that's insane to me i mean like granted like like this movie would be lost on a child oh man but like so good and i love the the whole the whole subplot of this uh there's tony he's the little boy who lives in my mouth and he and he hides in his stomach it was like what the it's so crazy right and it, it's these it's these small little things that 
when they're presented to you in the right way in this right in this just this right tone it's just it's so unnerving because you can't really interpret or understand what you're seeing and feeling like I, one of the one of my favorite scenes ever actually is when Jack Nicholson and that butler who I whose name I can't remember are in the bathroom and like the the, the conversation of theirs goes from this very like cordial party environment like well I guess I I guess I spilled my drink on the thing and then like the look on Jack Nicholson's face as it like turns to like like the butler's like clearly like sort of trying to like pierce his mind and tell them exactly what he needs to to hear to like so distrust in him with his family with everybody that's going on in the hotel like the the sh- like just from shot to shot it goes from like this very wide empty red bathroom to like like okay back like they're back to back like you can see Jack Nicholson in front and then you can see the back of that butler and then it just swaps between the two and every time it swaps like Jack Nicholson's face is just like getting more and more like d- like down and subdued and like he's like what is happening and this like dreamlike trance comes over him and like you're just kind of like looking at this blank butler and you're like I've had dreams like this where like you see their face clearly, but you can't read anything from them and only what you want to think from them. It's so amazingly done. Well, that's, that's Uh, what we're talking about. We're talking about Kubrick. He's very meticulous in his shots, very meticulous in his dailies, going through everything, wanting to make sure he has the film that he envisioned in his mind. When you see the film and you've seen the film multiple times, and you know what's going to happen. You're going into it, and then you're 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 analyzing it. You know, more and more every time you're watching it. Man, he totally. I mean, he had this thing mapped out very well. But then, but then, after we get this like two almost two and a half hour version, he decides no, no for the European cut. I'm going to do it at a what 119 minutes like right at two hours and that's the version he likes he thinks that's the one and the way it should be and it cuts out a lot of a lot of the longer shots and a lot of the what some people would say is boring extraneous dialogue and i don't think that i think if you're you know if you're if you're going in into this film looking for a gore fest or a splatter film the shining is totally not for you if you like oh no absolutely yeah if you like slow burn psychological horror and are a fan of Stanley Kubrick and his style of filmmaking, this is definitely the film for you. I mean, I I really enjoy everything about it. I think even Shelley Duvall, I know a lot of people make fun of that character all the time, but she is a tormented woman and she portrays oh, man. it no, 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 so no. Every, well. I when I first saw The Shining, I was like, "Why did they hire her?" I like I couldn't understand it. I was I was very young, I was much younger at the time. No, same like, here, and that's exactly what it, I thought. I thought, "Why why do you have this woman playing his wife instead of some whoever big, else?" Doe-eyed, like bi- like like right. stare woman, and then like ev- literally every single time, every single time that I've seen this previously, like more and more, I'm like, "No, she's perfect for this. She's absolutely like, she's amazing." an amazing job it's the Um, eyes man it's all about the eyes because yeah no she she's portraying so much in her face with doing so little with it that it's it's incredible 
um, I, I, I could not like, I couldn't have been more wrong about an assessment with like an actor, uh, in a film than I was with when I first saw Shelley Duvall. I think it was great. Um, and every, and, oh, the score, the score, like score is amazing. Shit. Score it's, is just absolutely. Too. Yeah. Well, that, that's the point. And it's, it's Kubrick understanding how to put together a film and knowing what is going to scare people without having to to rely on jump scares and in your face stuff. I mean, there are moments in that of just seeing a lot of people freak out at the elevator of blood. A lot of people freak out because of the twins. Why? Man, it's just something creepy about those twins. It's just it's just some weird shit that you're not supposed to see. Like, like the the presentation of that image, like, it's just like, I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't know why, but I don't know, I don't like it kind of a thing. It's like, it's like seeing the, it's like seeing the kid at the end of Blair Witch just like putting his, like, like just facing the corner. Like, that's the scariest thing about that movie. And it's just like, it's just the thing you see is scary. Like, it's something as simple as that, but everything that's stacked on top of it, the music, the, like, low shot of just, like, following him on the tricycle and turning that corner. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect, like, symphony of things that make this movie so captivating. Yeah, I mean, I, so, oof, man, the fact that you even put Blair Witch in, in comparison to The Shining, I'm trying to just, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to get over that still, the, but I, right, I'm, you, I'm, get, I'm jumping, you know I'm getting I mean, over right? it. You know what I, mean. I know what you mean, I totally know what you mean. There's just so much going on with The Shining that I understand why there are some people who have issues with it. I get that, oh, not enough is explained, and you almost need a Cliff Notes version of it to go along, or a companion piece to go along with it. You know what? That's fine. If you want to learn more about it and delve into it more, read the novel. And then if it doesn't fill in some of the stuff that was in there, go and watch a documentary on it. Delve in. Do the work, man. Like, if you if you really... Especially as a horror fan. If you're a horror fan and you want to know good horror filmmaking, people need to be doing more stuff like this. And they don't. I mean, here's the thing. Even if you're not that interested in filmmaking, I keep watching – like, every once in a while when I keep watching this movie, I find something new to look at or something new that I notice about it that I didn't even realize before. That, like, like just how close that axe got to the camera when he was, like, beating down that door. Uh, like, it was insane to think of, like, oh, man, like, that's right up on the lens. Dude, like, how many times – the fact that the fact that Kubrick – pretty much drove Shelley Duvall crazy by making her do all of those takes for one scene and over and over I mean he was he was absolutely awful to her at times from from what uh, no yeah it, it was bad it was bad like I, I've heard the stories and it, like it's not cool what he did no like, because he wants like, to he wants to keep her in that in that insane panic all the time because that's how he wants his actors in that mindset that's absolutely awful that's terrible don't do that to someone like her. Uh, that just seems really mean. Oh God! When you when you hear about it afterwards, you think, oh, that that's absolutely terrible that that happened. But damn, it's a really good performance. Right, it is. And like, I'm <sighs> still not of the mindset that like I don't like subscribe to that kind of work. I don't know. Neither do I. While, I don't think it's a good and while and while like that is a very dubious and like. Uh, distrusting thing to do to your actors and just to people that you work with. Like, that's not fair. Um, 
regardless of the good movie that you come out with it. Like it, it's, it's like Michael Jordan. Like I know Michael Jordan, the basketball player, he's not a good guy, but like, God damn it. If he wasn't the greatest, like it's like, I know that his, his work ethic and his, uh, his determination made him the greatest, but, uh, he could have gone about it a different way. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, Scatman Crothers, he's so awesome in this. Oh man. Like what, how you, like what, what's there to say? About he's Scatman so awesome. Uh, I wish still got he the didn't coolest get name an, in all of Hollywood. I wish he didn't get an axe to the chest, you know, like. But I mean, he lived in real life, so no, that's he's true. Fine. I I <laughs> do love I do love that moment in the film though, and I do love that connection that he has with Danny even right off the bat, and and tells him that it's this thing that they called the Shining, um, this ability communicate without communicating to be able to right. you know, see and other the, things and it's it's such a it's so fascinating and we um, didn't even like kind of we kind of the movie honestly i think the biggest cardinal sin that the movie actually would uh commit is the fact that it kind of glosses over the titular over phenomenon that it glosses over a lot but like it mainly glosses over like the titular phenomenon of communicating with people through your mind and connections that you have with other people like that's completely wasted in this movie. Like, at least to the idea that, it, like, it could have been explored a lot more. Like, cracking open, like, his son's mind to, like, really understanding what's going on with him could have been an entirely di- different movie in and of itself. Like, And that that's focus- almost where, if you look at The Shining now, and I know they had the 19, I think it was 97, one on USA, the TV movie with Steven Weber... I know the king actually approved of that one because it followed the book more. Um, and it's interesting. It, it, it's interesting to see because, like, you, you like you wouldn't think that that's a better version of this story because this feel it's not. But but as loyal as you can be to that story, like you still can make a bad movie out of it. You can still make a like not a bad movie, but like no, you it's know, not a, terrible not by an any unremarkable stretch. But one. I would not. I would not def. I would not even put it close to the quality of of Kubrick's film uh that being said if someone were to revisit The Shining how would you because it's already a two and a half hour film right so we're, we're talking about something that is is long would you see it as a potential series but a limited run series I th- see this is th- this is kind of where where I would kind of go back and forth because like you you get into like a Bates motel situation where I'm like, why would you want to go to that? Well, again, because like Hitchcock told an amazing story there. And if anything had meaning in it to explore again, you wouldn't want to tell that story again. You'd have to do something completely different. Oh, but see, I think, I think with Bates motel, we're talking about something that's actually pretty fascinating because there have been four psycho films there. They're actually, People always, they you know, when you say Psycho 2, a lot of people will laugh and be like, oh, that's terrible. Well, no, it's actually pretty damn good, and it was written by Fright Night director Tom Holland. So it's it's a pretty decent sequel, and the other ones aren't bad either. I know Anthony Perkins directs at least one of them. So when you're looking at that, there is more to it, and by the time you get to the fourth one, it is kind of a prequel story where you find out about Norman. So going Bates Motel actually makes sense and the way that they went through their story works with what they did now the shining we're talking about then going off of you have the novel 
which has a lot of other stuff that the film didn't use in it, but then you also have stylistic elements from the film that I know people will want to see. They'll want to see, you know, the carpet, definitely the the way the carpet looks. That's That uh, pattern is absolutely awesome. It's so iconic. Um, and the color palette and everything like that. You know, do you... This is where I think as a limited run series, you can stretch out the length of time and, and watching... The, uh, watching the character go crazy, really getting how Jack has been abusive in the past, delving more into watching Jack unravel as he's in the hotel, making it much more about isolation and that, having a focus then on Danny's shining power and finding out really what it is, maybe even looking at Scatman Crothers' character and the people who have it as well. You know, he it is. had it's it. A, it's All, a lot of, yeah. It's a lot of infinite possibilities, and I only would want to go shy away from it only because, like, I don't mm-hmm. like. I kind of like the amb- like the ambiguity of this movie a lot. Oh, so do I. I love adds, the ambiguity adds, of like, the film. It it is it is almost the cornerstone as to why it's so terrifying in the first place because you literally can't understand all of it. You can only understand so much about it, and that's kind of why it's so special. I wouldn't want to explore too much about this world even more like I think the only real mystery and I'm and it's not even that much of a complaint but it's just the mystery of that shining power is really not explained or really not explored enough to that I would have well in, liked in the, you know in the book and stuff we're talking about it stuff is explained more you know what I mean and exactly, there's a se- exactly. there's actually a sequel to the shining uh where you find out that the whole thing of Tony it's him when he's older it's his older version being able to kind of time travel to talk to himself crazy stuff um i don't know if that's necessarily something i'd want to see but i think taking the concept of the shining and and focusing more on the hotel and the mythos behind that and all of the events that went down you could do something really cool with it as like a companion piece but like nothing is ever going to outshine you know, Stanley the Kubrick's shining. <laughs> The Shining. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic. A, it's a film. magnificent. It's a magnificent thing to study. It's a magnificent thing to watch. It's uh, compelling at pretty much every turn. Uh, it's just this slow burn, like turning this dial up to eleven, and then just like letting it blare. It's, well, and uh, it's it's also one of the first uses of Steadicam, right? So Steadicam was introduced. And I, they had done, I don't know, maybe almost a dozen films with Steadicam. And then this had a ton of Steadicam. Special rigs had to be done with it. So when you're using a new technology as well, and that was something Stanley Kubrick wanted to be on the cutting edge with stuff. He was always a forward-thinking guy, especially, I mean, the shots on the tricycle, Steadicam, and a special rig for that. And it's that that's why you're getting this amazing stuff and he took the time to utilize it to the best of his ability which is also why this film took so long to make and so many takes and and his perfectionist his perfectionism takes over and i appreciate that at the same time i can see why it hampered him as well uh well hampered his not his work as we said his work is just fascinating um yeah, so I don't, you know, a lot it's, can be said about Stanley Kubrick. We could we could talk about this for hours. I know I could, um, but that I think is for for a different time. 
It is. I, 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 and it was mainly a thing where I'm like, man, what can you say about The Shining? But it's more of just like, what can we keep saying? Like, because it's a, it's a fascinating thing to just keep coming back to. That's why it's, it, it's the film that it is. It's why, you know, it's revered for so many years. And it's, it is the, one of the perfect horror films to eventually revisit. Because it, it, you will eventually find something that surprises you about it to this day. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that wraps it up on the shining. It's, I mean, I, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's magnificent. It's, it's, it's a great film. It's absolutely. Yeah. Well, Rob, why don't you, uh, tell people where we can be found on the internet? Well, you can find us, you know, like any place you download podcasts at, uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these other places at, uh, Oh, the horror cast or Oh, the horror for some of them. And uh, you can also find us at ohthehorrorcast.com. That is our website. Um, And everything is really connected off of there. So check that out. Uh, And, yeah, give us some likes, comments, reviews, subscribe, share with your friends. Tell all of your friends because the more people that listen, the better off uh, we do with our numbers. (laughs) Yes, again. And we thank you guys again for listening. And uh, until next time. I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And we'll see you next time. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. And there's no more room.